Hi, I'm Pastor Daniel, and welcome to Edge Church Podcasts. To get connected, visit our website, edgechurch.co.za, or send us a WhatsApp on 076-032-3664. Say hi, and we will connect with you. Our full services on our YouTube channel. But today, I'm expecting to have Pastor Jason Render, the lead pastor from View Church Milneton, be joining us. He is a part of the family. He's so well connected. He's a great mentor to me. So Edge Church, enjoy the sermon. Thank you. Thanks so much, Justin. I'm sure he has to say that every single week. Hey, you guys can go ahead and take your seats. Someone can let me know next week if he says the same thing to Basil and... And to Daniel and to everyone else. I mean, you have to say that to Daniel. You'd be a fool not to say that to the guy that pays your salary. Hey? Uh, anyway, guys, it is a genuine privilege to, to be with you. I love being with Edge Church. This church has had an impact on me for the last 27 years. There's so much that I'm grateful for, and, and I genuinely, truly always consider it an honor and a privilege. And I have to just take a look at the camera very quickly and say a massive hello to Daniel, to Pedro, to Barbie, and to everyone else that's joining us. Um, and just from my side, I think you guys hopefully know this by now, but I love you deeply. We care about you. We've got our church praying for you as well, Pedro. We've, I'm keeping all of our, in fact, I messaged all of our leaders again this morning with an update. So we are praying for you and trusting God for his very, very best. I am immensely grateful uh, for your leadership, for your love, for your friendship, and for the role that you've played uh, in mine and so many other people's lives as well. And I just think you guys are in such good hands. Um, if you are visiting today, you'd be a fool not to come back. Um, I'm allowed to preach heresy, just so you know. So, so I mean... <laughs> I mean, I'm not the pastor here. Daniel can correct that in two weeks' time. Uh, <clears throat> but but I, would, I would certainly encourage you to, to be crazy intentional about, about going all in. Don't make a decision based off of a quick little, you know, dipping the toe, or you have a little taste, and then you, and you keep, you know, trying a whole bunch of stuff. No, no, like, go all in, and I am confident that you will see that, that when you do what is encouraged. When you follow the principles and the practices, you will find um, that this is a life-giving church. I have absolutely no doubt about it. And Justin, I tend to agree with you. You guys have a great worship team. So just a big, a big thank you to the worship team and to all of the production guys and ladies, everyone that's serving. Apparently there's an ice box somewhere where we have people that are doing the projections and, uh, and I imagine sound for online as well. So anyway, can we just say a massive thank you to everyone that's serving and helping make today happen. It's so easy when you're, when you're in it, when this is all you know, to, to take for granted how amazing your church is and, and how generous the people are that help make this happen week in and week out and week in and week out. And, and having done that for the last two years, uh, during uh, less than ideal circumstances, I think they deserve medals. So please do continue to appreciate uh, your just, just the teams and just everyone that actually helps to make church happen. All right, what I want to get into this morning is um, not quite so much a teaching as much as, as I'm hoping that there'll be a little bit of ministry. What I mean by that is that, is that we will hear God's whisper and his prompting as, as he might just place a finger on a particular area of our lives in order to bring encouragement and an invitation. And, and effectively, this is kind of falling under the umbrella of, of persevering on purpose. I think, I think that if we are aware at all of the fact that we live 
in a world that is not home yet. Okay, sometimes, sometimes Christians get dis- discouraged and frustrated that this isn't heaven. It's not heaven. It's not going to be heaven. All right? We live in an imperfect world. We live with imperfect bodies. Hello? And, 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 we're, and we're trying to grow you know, in our soul and in our spirit, and, and we still struggle with stuff and, and their tensions, and we live in a world that is, in my opinion, quite messed up. Um, I think that there's, at any given moment, I mean, we could, we could list off the headlines that's taking place right now, but at any given moment, there are so many things going on that, that can easily distract, discourage, or derail us. And there's only one person that's celebrating when that happens. And he's your enemy. He has no mercy. He is the accuser. He is the deceiver. He's the father of lies. When he lies, he speaks his native tongue. And, and I can't help but want to try and impart something in us that wants to persevere for even if it's just a little bit more than just surviving. Now, I have to acknowledge that there are times and seasons where surviving is actually success. Where surviving is a big deal. So, so can I just concede that and allow that to be a little bit of a disclaimer for a moment? But, but what I do want to caution us against is not living an entire life that is just barely surviving and, and where we maybe settle for less than what God actually wants for us. Guys, as long as there's still air in our lungs, God has a plan. God has a purpose. Ephesians 2 verse 10 tells us that we're his masterpiece created in Christ Jesus to walk in the good works, the ESV says, to walk in the good works that he's prepared for us in advance to do. In other words, today, there's good works that he wants us to walk out. Tomorrow, as you get up and go to work or school, or, or maybe you are building a home, and, and so that's your focus throughout the day, which I think is, is more commendable than most of the jobs that we do. You need to walk in the good works. If you're a teacher and you're going to school tomorrow, God actually has good works that he wants us to walk in. Philippians 2.13 tells us that he gives us both the desire and the power to do what pleases him. I'm just saying that there's stuff for us to persevere towards. There, there is purpose. And this isn't hype. I hate hype, just so you know. Like hype lifts you up briefly and then just discourages the junk out of you the next day. I'm, I'm, I'm honestly trying to impart something that is truth, that is life-giving. Not just an emotion, but for us to live a life that is purpose-driven and where we increase our capacity for perseverance because it's not always going to be comfortable and convenient. It's not always going to be safe and secure. We need an increased tolerance for discomfort, an increased tolerance for mystery, an increased tolerance for frustration, for confusion, for, for a long obedience in the same direction. We need to increase our capacity. Hebrews 12 verse 1, reading from the New Living Translation, it's a single verse. I'm trying to make this really easy today. Okay? My church would love me to make it easy. I don't often make it easy. I'm trying to make it easy today. Hebrews 12 verse 1 says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith. Now, this is referring to the people that, that, that the author of Hebrews has just gone on a, on a rampage on. He's been riffing on the amazing heroes of faith in Hebrews chapter 11. But I can't help but wonder if there aren't if, if those same heroes of faith aren't still, in fact, I have to, uh, there's no reason why I don't think that they're in heaven still watching God's plan for redemption coming to pass slowly but surely and cheering us on. I think that the heavens cheer us on more than we could ever imagine. I don't mean the clouds. 
I don't, I don't mean anyone like, like chilling out on a white fluffy cloud with a, you know, a white robe and, and, and a hob. I mean, I mean the armies of heaven, of which, by the way, and I have my reasons for thinking about this, because Matthew 18, I think that there are billions of angels. If there are seven billion people, then I think that there's more than that, as far as angels go. Imagine looking up into the stands. I mean, maybe you've been in the, large, the largest stadium I've ever been in, I think it was about 110,000 people, and it was, it was impressive, like it was pretty massive. But guys, that's nothing compared to billions. This huge crowd of witnesses saying, come on, don't give up, you can do this. Yes, you failed, get up again, try again, take the next step. Keep believing God. He is Jehovah Jireh, your provider. He is who he says he is. He is the same on your worst day as what he is on your best day. Come on, come on. You can do this. Keep going. We are surrounded by a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith. Therefore, let us strip off every weight. I mean, I wish that that could just be a prayer, right? But, but let us strip off every weight. That slows us down. Oh, and by the way, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. In other words, the weights are not all sin. Corey Ten Boom said that if the devil can't make you bad, he'll make you busy. So it doesn't have to be sin. It doesn't have to be a blatant moral issue. We can just allow stuff to weigh us down, slow us down. And let us run with endurance. The race God has set before us. Or the NIV uses the word perseverance. Let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. In the Passion Translation, that single verse is put this way. As for us, we have all of these great witnesses who encircle us like clouds. So we must let go of every wound that has pierced us and the sin we so easily fall into. Then we'll be able to run life's marathon race with passion and determination for the path has been already marked out before us. There is a path. There is a race that God has marked out for us. And I honestly believe that today he would invite us, he would encourage us to run it with perseverance. He would invite us and encourage us to remember that there is a race marked out and that it is worth running. It is a fight worth fighting. Your character really does matter. Your family, your relationships really do matter. What you do with your mind, what you feed on your mind, what I feed on my mind, what, 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 what I feed grows, what I starve dies. It matters. There is a race marked out for us. So a couple of thoughts. Four thoughts on perseverance. Number one is simply to remember the race. Remember that there is a race. Now, I am a little bit ADD, and I don't always find it easy to make quick decisions, so I have like a little extra tagline underneath, because actually I was thinking, I like the idea of it being just dream again. But, but I don't want us to think that to dream again is just for us to, to just dream up our best life now. No, no. We need, to, we need to wake up to God's dream for our lives. We need to remember that God does have a dream. Maybe you're going through a challenging time in a marriage or in a relationship with a child or, or maybe you're at school and you're just so frustrated and discouraged or, or, or you've been trying to persevere through challenges 
in your tertiary studies or you've just started a new job and you just feel like you're surrounded by, by a crowd of witnesses from hell and, and you're thinking, God, just get me out of here. And God's saying, no, that's exactly where I want you. And I feel like God would encourage some of us to dream again, to wake up and dream again, but being sensitive to his dream, to the race that he has marked out for us. We have received a legacy. We have received the baton. And if you're alive, it means that it's our turn to run. It's our turn to be faithful. It's our turn to do what we can with what God has placed in our hands. Not comparing to someone else, not competing with anyone else, but being faithful with what God has put in our hands. And again, I can't help think that marathon runners... I can't relate exactly, but I've been told that marathon runners have to increase their capacity for pain and discomfort, right? I mean, I had to do that just trying to learn to run, well, run, I I mean, that's a generous word, jog. In fact, I do like a walk jog, like 5Ks, like like I had to learn to, I had to persevere through discomfort and pain. Anytime you try and take on something new, anytime you try and increase your capacity, if you're someone that goes to gym and, and, and you do strength training, you are literally having to tear your muscles so that they can be rebuilt stronger. That's, that's what it is. It's literally called resistance training. Why are we so shocked when in this life we face resistance? When God's like, that's the only way to grow stronger. There is no single comfortable way for you to grow. Aren't you glad you came to church this morning? This is great news, right? For someone going through a tough time, this is good news, because I'm telling you that there is no comfortable, pleasant, warm and fuzzy way for us to grow. To be encouraged, yes. To, to feel loved, yes. To, to, to be refreshed and to enjoy stuff, yes. But to grow in character, it is only through suffering and risk. And I, and I challenge you, I mean, like, seriously, I, I'd invite you to come and show me how there is a lacquer way to grow. It is only through suffering and risk. You don't need faith if there's no fear. You don't need God if there's no risk. If, you're, if you and I are only biting off what we can chew within our own strength, we don't need God. If, I, if the dream for our lives is just what we can achieve within our own strength, well, we don't need God. Runners have to increase their capacity for discomfort, for pain, for for expanding, for for strengthening your lung capacity, your muscle ability, your endurance, your stamina. I think there's a reason why the Bible uses metaphors like athletes and soldiers and farmers. We have to increase our capacity to persevere. And by the way, the dream won't always be sexy. It won't always be... You know, really exciting and, and just nice. Sometimes the dream is actually more of a burden. Sometimes the dream is where you are caring for the vulnerable, where you feel a burden to do something for people that can't do something for themselves. Or where you feel a burden to contribute something that you know is missing in a church context, in a team context. Sometimes it's, it's persevering on behalf of your family. And so, and so it might not just be this exciting dream, but it is a God dream. I wish I had more time to unpack this, this story, but there's a book that I just finished reading recently by Rachel Den Hollander. Just a remarkable read. Some of you might be familiar 
with the story of Larry Nasser, um, one of the, the most prolific convicted pedophiles in American history. He was the USA gymnastics doctor and, and also worked for, for a university, for I think it was Michigan State University. Um, in the end, was, was accused by over 500 uh, women and girls in terms of abuse. And this story that she, that she tells in her book really masterfully, in my opinion, um, is just moving on so many different levels for so many different reasons. But, but one of the things that kept standing out to me, I mean, you, you read the book and you see very early on what a deeply rooted, life-giving follower of Jesus she is, just, just deeply influenced by her family, um, the way she grew up. She was first abused as a seven-year-old in church, then as a 15-year-old by, by Larry Nasser. And I mean, she writes about forgiveness and all these things, but, but, but in the end, God gave her a burden to fight for others, to fight for the vulnerable. One of the reasons why she was the first person to come out publicly and accuse him, knowing that because of the systems, I mean, she had tried before and, and had been shot down. Because of the systems, because of society, she knew that she was going to be attacked. She knew that, she, that, that her motives would be questioned, that, that she'd be victim shamed, and, and, and it did. I mean, there's a lot of stuff that um, USA Gymnastics closed ranks, MSU closed ranks. They had hundreds of millions of dollars to, to protect. USA Gymnastics eventually went bankrupt, and I think MSU had to pay out something like five or six hundred million dollars to the victim. So, so she was fighting against a big machine. But she knew, she knew that if it had happened this easily to her, that there had to be others. But she didn't know that for a fact, like she didn't have numbers, she didn't have names. She came out alone. I'm, I'm trying to give you a picture of someone with a burden who was willing to run a race where there was so much risk involved. So up until that point, she only knew of herself. It was only at the end that over 500 people came out because of the courage, the, the tenacity of someone that was willing to fight for victims. One of the sad parts of the story is that actually, if the first victims that had come out 20 years earlier had been listened to, hundreds of girls would not have been abused. Now, that's a bit of a, a, bit of a distressing example, but I'm trying to say that sometimes... The, 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 the dream that is placed on your life is not this beautiful, pristine, picture. No, no. Sometimes you are fighting for other people's lives. There is a race to run. We need to dream again. Number two is just simply to strip off and streamline. Strip off and streamline. Strip off the extra weight. Strip off the stuff that would discourage us, that would distract us. Guys, we live in an age. I don't think I have to emphasize this point. We live in an age where distraction is the norm. Every minute, I think something like 500 hours of videos uploaded to YouTube. Every minute. Like you'll never catch up with anything. We can read more news, more social media, we can know about what's happening in the world more than ever before, and yet not be able to do anything about it, and without us realizing it, we're actually, we're feeling something, but we're not doing anything, and we are distracted. We are distracted by things that are shiny and entertaining and stimulating, and, and there's a place, I think there's a place for a little bit of R&R &R and, and relaxation and, and, and proper rest. I'm a big believer in, in, in God's gift of Sabbath. But I've got to watch myself constantly that I'm not escaping into just mindless information 
that's not actually feeding anything healthy in me. Our attention spans, I think research has made this abundantly clear, that, that attention spans have been shortened to the shortest possible fraction ever before. Which is why so many of you already have your screensavers on. <laughs> because I've already been talking for several minutes. And, and, like, and we're used to being able to stimulate and read short things and scroll and move on. Guys, we, can, we are distracting ourselves into oblivion. Some have argued that we are distracting ourselves from distraction with distraction. And if you look at that passage of Scripture... Again, Hebrews 12 verse 1 says that we need to strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. Please don't miss what I'm about to say. The clearer God's vision for your life, the fewer and the narrower your options. The clearer God's vision for your life is, the narrower and the fewer the options are. You don't get to have 17 extramural activities. You, you, you can't do all the amazing hobbies and sports that are available. You can't watch everything on Netflix. Do you know that the CEO of Netflix once said that, that the competition for Netflix is not Prime, it's not um, other streaming, it's not Apple, it's sleep. He wasn't joking. Their competition is sleep. Guys, our options become fewer. If you were an elite marathon runner. You will narrow the options in terms of what you can eat, how late you can stay up, how much rest you need. And I've got to just tell you, so, so I'm not saying this to you, I'm saying this is a challenge to me. I'm so often humbled and sobered by the idea that an athlete running potentially, for like the one in a million chance of winning a medal, is so often more disciplined about their health and energy and vitality than what I am when I'm fighting for something that is worth or worthy of eternity. The options become fewer and narrower. We, we change our view towards failure. So, so when, when we are... When we are stripping off, when we are streamlining, we, we, we are willing to get back up again. We're willing to learn from mistakes. Again, I don't have the time to fully unpack this, but Carol Dweck is, is a well-known research uh, doctor, PhD, who, who, who wrote a book called Mindset. And then Angela Duckworth is a lady who wrote the book Grit, also a book well worth reading, just, just as she has researched into some of the most um, elite institutions and organizations trying to understand what separates people, what separates those that, that are able to persevere and, and grow and to achieve. And talent was almost never the factor. It was an attitude to failure. It was, it was, it was what they call a growth mindset. So this comes from Carol Dweck, a growth mindset versus a fixed mindset. A growth mindset means that I don't think I failed because I don't have the smarts. I didn't fail that maths exam because, because I'm just dumb at maths. Now, you may not have the, the greatest gifting for it, but, but, but basically they're saying that teachers and parents change their language to where it's not just about the result, it's about the effort. Is there anything we could have done differently? How much effort did you put into this? And that's why, by the way, talent can be such a double-edged sword. In fact, I would argue, and, and I, I'm... 
I need to be cautious here. I'm, I'm on dangerous territory. But I would argue that in some cases, talent can be a very dangerous trap. Because you can achieve the same or more than someone else while not needing to put all that much effort in. And so then when effort is required, when character is required, when tenacity is required, when endurance and stamina and perseverance is required, well, you've never had to develop that muscle because you can just get it done. You're, you're charismatic, you're sharp, you're bright, you, you, you have a photographic memory, God bless you. <laughs> so our, our attitude towards failure and towards developing. And, and just, so, just to be clear, I'm not going to the other extreme. I, I hate this idea of you can do anything you put your mind to. That's such a, guys, that's a lie. I can't win the Comrades Marathon if I put my mind to it hard enough. <laughs> but having said that, my mindset has changed compared to a few years ago to where I think that it probably would be conceivable for me to complete the Comrades Marathon given the right amount of training and perseverance and time, however many years it would take. Now, now, just to stick with that example, for most of my life, right, right up into my 30s, I was convinced that running was from the devil. And, and I had, and there was, I mean, every time I tried to even run a couple hundred meters, I felt like a, like a buffalo and I was thinner than I am. And, and it just like it wasn't good. But, but after enough people convinced me, enough runners convinced me, Jason, like just s- start by walking. And then, and then walk for five minutes, chug, like, like just do the Madiba shuffle for like a minute, and then five and one, and then eventually it's four and two and four and two, and then three, 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 three. You do that for half an hour, a couple of times a week. My mindset shifted. So I'm not saying you can do, you can achieve anything you want, but I am saying that I think that we can often do a lot more than what we realize. Number three. I know this is deeply profound. Are you ready for it? We need to run. Okay? I'm just so grateful that they brought in a guest speaker that could just blow your minds with profound thoughts. I think that there are many times where we've just stopped running. We've just stopped actually making progress in this race that God has marked out for us. We have to recognize and respond to God's promise that we will reap what we sow. We are not fully responsible for the outcome, but we are fully responsible for every seed that gets sown. And this may be bad news, but it's also really, really good news that Galatians 6 verse 7 tells us that God will not be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. The Passion Translation puts it this way. Make no mistake about it. God will never be mocked for what you plant will always be the very thing you harvest. And then I love this last line. The harvest you reap reveals the seed that was planted. Every single one of us right now are reaping the harvest that the habits in our lives are perfectly designed to produce, for the most part. I'm I'm excluding medical conditions and things that are completely out of your control. But, But in terms of my attitude, my way of thinking, 
my, my, my levels of peace, and again, don't compare to someone else, just compare to you, right? So your level of peace compared to two years ago, five years ago, 10 years ago, compared to your, your, perhaps your level of anxiety, compared to a few years ago. Guys, we are experiencing the results that our current habits, our systems, are perfectly designed to produce. Even if what is happening in your life is completely out of your control, how we are responding to it are the attitudes that we have sown into and developed. The good news is that the marriage that you want to have or the relationship that you want to have or, 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 or the, the, the celibate life that you feel God's called you to and where you still have to prioritize friendships far more than other people because you're not in a marital all of these things. Guys, we actually do have agency. We have power. We have the ability to run, to sow, to do what we can. We do what we can and we trust God with that which we can't do. There's an acrostic that spells out the word liars, L-I-A-R-S, because it's plural. <laughs> and it stands for low information to action ratio. Low information to action ratio. And what this is referring to is the fact that we live in a day and age where we are so used to being bombarded with information, moved by information, stimulated by information, maybe even moved to tears with information, but being able to do nothing about it. So we, we know what's happening in the Ukraine right now, which is deeply distressing. But there isn't much that we can do about accepting to pray. You might know what's happening in the government, in, in, in politics, in, in but we are in danger of creating a capacity to, to hear, learn, read, understand, agree, and do nothing. And God hasn't just called us to be thinkers only. We're not just brains on a stick. He hasn't called us to be hearers only. He's called us to be doers. He's called us to run. He's called us to take responsibility for that which is within our control, which is why, again, and, and I, don't, I don't want to sound like some weird cultic leader that's got spittle dripping off a beard or can't grow, but I am suggesting that for some of us, the weight that we need to strip off is the amount of media that we consume. Because it's a counterfeit, it, it, it stimulates us so we feel stuff, but then, but then we, we're not present and active where we are. At school, at work, at home, with our friends, at a club. And God is looking for us to actually run. To actually do what we can to sow and reap. And the great news, the great news, just so you know, is that you can outlast a bad harvest. Please don't be discouraged if right now what I've just said is like, you're right. And then you just feel hopeless. No, 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 no. That's the problem. No. Do something. Persevere. Our last, the bad harvest. Start sowing new seeds into that relationship. Yeah, well, they don't trust me. They're giving me the middle finger. That's okay. Just start sowing little seeds. And, and listen to them. If they're saying, don't do that because that's creepy, don't do that. But I'm just saying, sow new seeds. If you're like me and you put on, listen, I put on 20 kilos during COVID. I reaped the harvest that I sowed, okay? 
I mean, I, can t I wish it was a thyroid issue or something. No, no, I just, I ate my feelings, okay? And quite literally, I'm in a season where, where, where I've had to change my mindset again and, and get to the issue beneath the issue, which is stress and emotions and just that I like it, okay? And, and, and I've had to get help and advice and make changes. And I don't know if you're, if you're anything like me. I'm like, I've made a change. Why is it not? Like, it's been three days. Why isn't, why isn't this stuff all just four? No, no, no. You've got, I've got to persevere. And I've got to sow new seeds while I endure the old harvest. Lastly, number four. It's just the idea of consistency and the compound effect. And that's, I love this phrase from Eugene Peterson. It's, it's literally the title of one of his books, A Long Obedience in the Same Direction. You might, you might know Craig Rochelle's statement, which I missed it the first few times I heard it, and then once it stuck, like it hasn't left me. Where he says that successful people do consistently what other people do occasionally. He's not saying what bad people do occasionally. What slackers do occasionally. Just what other people do occasionally. So many of us do, do certain good things occasionally. But people that experience real success in that area are people that do it consistently. Consistency matters. Galatians 6 verse 9 says, Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. That has got to be one of the most encouraging passages in the Bible. Jason, you don't know my life. You don't know what I've done. You don't know what I've been through. You don't know, you don't know how many years I've been sowing destruction. God does. And I love how the beginning of verse 7, in the NIV says, God won't be mocked. So don't mock God, saying, well, I've screwed up for 30 years. It's hopeless. No, no, no. You're mocking God. God says if you sow new seeds and if you don't grow weary in doing good. Now, I don't think that means don't get tired. No, you're going to get tired. Okay, again, let's not make this overly romantic and sentimental. You're going to get tired. But keep on. Keep on sowing. Keep on forgiving. Listen, again, going back to Rachel Dan Hollander for a moment, she made it abundantly clear that her coming out had nothing to do with her own healing. She knew it was only going to hurt more. It was because of healing, forgiveness, and freedom in God that she was able to step out and take a risk and take some of the flack on behalf of others. It's going to be tiring. You are going to get fatigued. But don't give up for at the proper time, we will reap a harvest. We will reap a harvest. The last mental image I want to leave with you is about the Chinese bamboo tree. Anyone ever been to Hong Kong? Anyone here? Hong Kong? Hong Kong? A few people. Okay. I was genuinely stunned. I went there many years ago. I was stunned to see probably more high rises. I mean, okay, maybe like with New York City, maybe compare it, but like just so many ridiculously tall high-rise buildings all around this harbor area and how many of them had scaffolding going going all the way up to like I'm guessing the 50th 60th 70th floor whatever the case is and then as we 
would get closer, I realized that all the scaffolding, it wasn't metal, it wasn't the scaffolding that we see in South Africa, it was bamboo. I'm like, you've got faith. If you're climbing up to the 50th or 70th floor on bamboo, I'm like, okay. Until you come to understand just how strong bamboo is. And what is, and what is so mind-blowing and encouraging for me is to think that it takes five years for a Chinese bamboo tree to actually grow. Now, the part that messes with my head the most is that it'll grow 90 feet in five weeks. That's 30 meters. But for the remainder of the five years, you see nothing above the ground. So think about this for a moment. Think about a farmer who has to plant the seed of a little Chinese bamboo tree and then day in and day out, he has to go or she has to go and water it and fertilize it and water it and fertilize it and water it and fertilize it. They're not having parties, dancing around the tree that's now knee high and then a year later it's like, no, no, there's nothing until some moment, nearly five years later, where it breaks through the surface. In some cases, it can grow as much as a meter in 24 hours. But over a period of five weeks, the Chinese bamboo tree grows to 90 feet. Here's the question. Did the Chinese bamboo tree grow 90 feet in five weeks or in five years? This isn't a trick question, it's okay. <laughs> it grew 90 feet in five years. If at any stage the farmer had stopped watering and fertilizing, the tree would have died. How many Christians stop sowing a month before they're about to see breakthrough or six months before they're about to see breakthrough or they give up on a relationship or they give up on a dream or they give up on, 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 on a holy discontent and a cause that actually is from God. How many don't give up because it's been three years already or it's been three and a half years or it's been four years and I just wonder if there's anyone here today where God is saying don't give up. Keep sowing the right seeds. If you don't grow weary in doing good, you will see a harvest at the proper time. So many have commented on how Joseph was promoted from a prisoner to prime minister in a day. But they forget that actually took 13 years. The promotion happened in a day, but the formation took place over 13 years. And why would God promote us if we won't allow him to form us? Let's not grow weary in doing good. For at the proper time, you will reap a harvest. Keep persevering. There is a race to run. I want you to close your eyes with me, please. I'd love for you just in a posture of surrender and just sensitivity to God, would you just ask God to confirm any whisper that he's been trying to express to you? Maybe there is a dream that he's kind of just been blowing on that, that little ember. And he's wanting you to allow that thing to come back to flame. Or maybe you've literally been thinking, I'm hurtful. I've been doing this for so long. I've been trying to do the right thing. Nothing's working. 
I've tried to work with integrity. I've tried to keep forgiving and being patient and loving and kind. And, you, and you're so close to giving up. Maybe God is just whispering to you to just keep persevering. Where he's reminding you that he won't be mocked. Or maybe you know that God is encouraging you to increase your capacity for discomfort, for pain, for mystery, for the unclear. Or maybe you're here today and you know that you have not surrendered your life to Jesus. You haven't actually committed to following him as your leader. As the forgiver of your sins. If that's you, man, I can't encourage you enough. In your own words, in your own mind, however, however much you might stumble over the words, to just say, God, please, please come into my life. Lead me. Help me to follow you. Please forgive my sins. I accept your grace. I accept your mercy. Because everything, everything I've spoken about today is impossible. It, is imp- it might sound great, but it's impossible outside of a relationship with God. And I'm not only saying that to people that are not consciously in a relationship with God. I'm saying that to everybody. You cannot do this just by your own sheer grit and determination. No, no. We need an intimate, life-giving relationship with God. Father, wherever we're finding ourselves right now, I pray in Jesus' name that you would help us to see more clearly the race that you've marked out for us. Help us to run it with perseverance. Help us to keep putting one, one foot in front of the other, taking one step at a time. God, would you help us to change our attitude towards failure that when we do make mistakes, when we do get distracted, when we do fall, that we'd be willing to get back up, to learn from it, to try again. And God, wherever people are needing to hear your word on this matter today, would you please breathe a sense of hope. Not hype, but hope. As you remind people to keep doing what they know to do, trusting you that at the proper time, they will reap a reward. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen.